It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday. Uh, what is today? Thursday, April 18th? It's not April. <laughs> I mean, August 18th. Yes, it is. August 15th, 2013. Yeah, we're uh, a little bit out of, out of sorts here. Welcome to the program. Glad that you're part of it tonight. And we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. You can email questions at collegeview.com. You can also join in with other listeners in the chat room. That will be filling up as time goes on tonight. And we welcome you to the program. We look forward to hearing from you. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is preaching in Milton, Vermont tonight. And in his absence, a couple of members of the College View Church are here with me tonight. Anthony Petrachko is immediately to my right. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, Monty Overton is uh, uh, as well in my father's seat. Uh, Monty, welcome to the program. It's good to be here, Jacob. And Monty, you're frantically organizing some papers over there. We or disorganizing. Yes, yeah, it looks like that. Tonight we want to talk about uh, our worship. And uh, there is a big move in the religious world today to shift towards contemporary worship, and there are some there is some backlash against that with people saying we need to stick with traditional worship. We want to look at the scriptures and see how we should be worshiping God on the program tonight. Anthony, uh, have you ever seen any of this contemporary worship on uh, online? No, I have not looked online. Uh, I guess the closest I've come is I. I w- Unfortunately, I had to attend a funeral recently uh, at a at a I think it was a Baptist church. Okay. I believe it was a Baptist church, and uh, you know they had uh, guitars and um, and pianos, which for a lot of folks isn't anything necessarily too big. But you know they had the, the big screen and and with the animations. I don't know. It, it was it was close to contemporary, but I don't think it's anything like. A, you know, some of the some places do with big bands and rock bands. Monty, have you like seen that. this stuff? No, I haven't actually seen it, but you I hear should. it see it advertised on some billboards places and they talk about their movie nights and all sorts of things. Well now the contemporary worship it looks like a rock and roll concert, uh, to some extent. You've got uh, someone up there with a uh, the microphone singing and you've got uh, guitars and drums and you've got the full drum set and everything back there and it is a rocking good time. Uh, that has caused a lot of people in the religious world to have some heartburn. Uh, those who would not necessarily want to um, mandate uh, that we stick to a scriptural pattern for our worship, uh, which they're still having some concern that this is uh, too far. Uh, and so we want to talk about that on the program tonight. What? How should we be worshiping God? Earlier today, we sent out some questions. Those questions for your consideration are, what is the primary objective of worship? Is the influence on the participant the primary objective? I want to look at what is our purpose of worship, because that seems to be behind this move to contemporary worship is uh, maybe a misunderstanding of what the purpose of worship is. Number two, how do we establish the standards that govern what we do in worship? How do we uh, decide what's right, what's wrong? Number three, what are some potential problems with the so-called contemporary worship? And uh, number four, uh, Anthony, this one might have caught some people off guard, but what are some potential problems with traditional worship? 
Right. Yeah, I think, you know, we need to be uh, examine what we do and make sure that we're There's we're some potential right problems with what people would call traditional worship. Uh, number five, and th- these were some bonus questions, Anthony, that you had posed uh, for the yeah. most part. Uh, is the tradition of coming to the front uh, to confess sins a scriptural uh, tradition, or is it required? Okay, we'll talk about that. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> no, number five. Uh, no, getting a breath. Okay, all right. <laughs> the next one, do all five acts of worship have to be done in order for a worship service to be scriptural? Anthony, you had posed that question. Right, yeah. I think I had uh, I had kind of sent you guys a sort of a stream of consciousness email, a rambling yeah. email yeah. with just some random thoughts about some of this stuff, and I thought these were, you know, maybe some things that we take for granted, maybe some things that I batted around in my own mind from time to time and just thought it might be good to just get some viewpoints on them. And then number, the, 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 the last bonus question tonight, uh, does Matthew 18, verse 20, where we read, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Uh, does that verse justify two or three worshiping by themselves instead of assembling with a congregation? Monday, we've heard that uh, that argument made in the past. We'll look at that passage, and we'll look at that. Uh, is it is it justifiable for two or three people to worship together? Uh, maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll look at that and get your thoughts as we go along in the program tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And in the chat room tonight, uh, other listeners are filing in there. If you're not signed in, it's easy to do. Follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window, and you can chat with other listeners. The primary objective of worship. That seems to be a fundamental uh, thing here, Monty, for us to consider at the beginning as we think about contemporary worship or contemporary or, t- contemporary or traditional worship, uh, the purpose of our worship. It seems to me, Monty, that we see that um, a lot of people are focusing on what they get out of the worship, what they like, what they prefer, how many people will come to that style of worship. Is this the primary objective of our worship? Well, for a lot of people, to me, it seems like, or maybe... Maybe not, I don't exactly how to put it. But anyway, it seems like in, in a way that when they keep focusing on the numbers and on the numbers, that it has a whole lot to do with maybe how much contribution is put in there. And so we'll do something in order to please everybody, to entertain everybody, to get a lot of people come so that the church have enough money to do whatever it is their goal is to do or to accomplish some purpose or another. But it, it's got more to do with entertaining people and getting people to come, whether we teach them anything or not while they're here, just so that, we can say we've got a big number, maybe. All right. It seems to be that the, the idea with worship and the style of worship that we choose, uh, Anthony, is whether it's popular or not, whether people like it, that seems to be the big focus. And maybe underlying that and fundamental to that is the idea that God doesn't really care how you worship him. You can worship him any way that you like. You do whatever you want to do, and God's going to be happy with that. But the scriptures show us a different uh, pattern. Uh, they show us uh, that it is possible for God to not be pleased with your worship and find, in fact, for God to find it detestable. Exactly right. I think, you know, people, uh, it's sort of a given that, you know, the details don't matter as long as our heart is in it, um, you know, then God is going to be happy with what we do. And I think they've got part of that right uh, as far as the heart. We, you know, our heart should be in what we do and we should be fully engaged in that. And, uh, but, it, not, we have to include, you know, what God has commanded us. If we want to be pleasing to God, then we need to do things the way he's asked us to do them. All right. John chapter 4, verse 24 has to come up in this discussion where we read, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You're going to worship God as he wants you to. He's laid out a pattern for us. There are a couple of components that are required, spirit and truth. 
not getting too deep into that passage right now, but just on the surface, we learn that if you don't have these components, God's not going to be pleased with your worship. So right off the bat, we establish the fact, Monty, that you've got to worship God by some pattern uh, that not just any worship will do. And it does say that they the worship him must that's worship right. him in spirit and truth. So right. this spirit and truth part of the worship is not optional behavior. We go all- it's not just a grand suggestion or sort of a theme that we'd kind of like to roughly go by, yep. but it's a command that it has to be done that way. We go all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, the first time we see people worshiping God, uh, Genesis chapter 4, Monty, I think you were there. Uh, yeah, I just looked that up a minute ago. In Genesis chapter 4, we read about Cain and Abel and the worship that they're uh, Bringing before God in Genesis 4, verse 4 says, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was angry and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God's telling, we see here that God was pleased with Abel's worship and he was displeased with Cain's worship. And he said, if you do well. So they had some kind of instruction about what their worship was supposed to be. And obviously Cain wasn't following the instructions. And so God was pleased with one and not so pleased with the other. So it tells us right off. Again, we're not going to get down to the dirty facts here about it right now, but just the principle that God can be displeased with certain kinds of worship. And obviously was here. He made it very clear to Cain. Well, we go over further in the Old Testament to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Uh, We remember there that... uh, that, uh, that Saul was instructed to kill all the Amalekites, and uh, he didn't do that. And uh, he gave an excuse, uh, Anthony. Yeah, you know, he he did. And, you know, he, he felt like he, you know, he did what was right. And, and, well, he, uh, and he, it, what, he thought what he was going to what he was going to do would offset the fact that he didn't obey, right? He was going to offer these things. Well, he was going to get around to killing them eventually. Right. <laughs> well, I guess so. Uh, and he was going to offer them a sacrifice. And... Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, verse 20, Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agad, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. They had some pretty grand uh, plans for this if, you're to take, if you take uh, Saul at face value here. Uh, they have taken the best of the, of the spoil that they should have destroyed, they should have obeyed God, they took it the best of it to, to sacrifice, to worship God with. Now, according to many in the religious world today, Anthony, God would be, well, he'd be overjoyed. He'd be happy. He'd be flattered that they would do something like that. Yeah, I mean, that sort of that sort of uh, improvisation <laughs> is totally, it would be totally no. acceptable. All right, but uh, we know that God is not pleased. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. God says in no uncertain terms there, Imani, that being obedient and worshiping him the way he wants to be worshipped is what matters. He said here that that's what, the only thing that matters really. Basically, he's telling him it don't matter how many sacrifices you offer. It doesn't matter what you profess to be doing in order to be pleasing to God. God wants obedience, right. and he wants obedience first. That gets us back to John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You've got to worship God the way that he wants to be worshipped. And so that's a fundamental fact, and uh, we need to establish that now before we go any farther as we consider contemporary worship traditional worship or what the scriptures tell us about our worship is that God cares how you worship it.
you know, we have to consider that who are we supposed to be worshiping? If we're worshiping God, then we need to do it the way he wants it. Right. If we're worshiping me, we'll do it the way I want it. Or if you were going to worship you, we'll do it how you want it. But I don't know of anybody that goes to some religious service professing to worship their self. That may be what they're doing, but they don't have that in mind. They say they're worshiping God, so then do it the way God wants. That's it, right. I'm afraid, though, Monty, as you said, that they are, in fact, worshiping themselves rather than God because they've elevated their desires, their wants, their preferences over what God has said he wants. And when you do that, you do put yourself in place above God. We're going to take a break, and we'll get your thoughts during the break, hopefully, at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here are some quotes worth pondering. Expressing thanks is necessary, not because God needs our thanks, but because we need to be thankful. Be a building block, not a stumbling block. He who puts God first will find God with him at the last. Count your blessings, not your woes. Man, I wish I'd said that. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about contemporary worship, traditional worship, or maybe God wants something other than any of those. What do you think about uh, God and how we worship him tonight on the program? Let us know your thoughts. We talked about the pro- before the break. We talked about the fact that God does care how we worship Him. That uh, that He doesn't accept just any old worship, and so that will d- dictate uh, the way that we do worship Him. If we want to be pleasing to Him, if we want our worship to be acceptable to Him, what is the primary objective of worship? You know, a lot of people in the religious world today, Monty, uh, seem to think that uh, what really matters is the numbers. Uh, the, the, what people like, we've got to have worship that people like. That it's something that uh, that they enjoy. And people also seem to think that the primary objective of worship is, what do I get out of it? Does it move me? Is there some type of emotional experience or emotional response that I get out of this worship? You know, when we think about worship, and I don't recall as far as a lot of people wanting it something that pleases them or or whatever you want to call it like that way, I don't recall God ever asking me what I wanted to do in worship. Did he ever ask you? He didn't, and I don't see that he did in the first century either. No, I don't find any scriptural example of God ever asking anybody, how would you like to worship me today, or what what do you feel should be the benefit to you out of worship? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Israelites would not have chosen to worship God the way that he instructed with all the sacrifices and the rituals that they went through. Uh, I'm sure that they would have rather had uh, a rock and roll concert to go to rather than uh, these uh, sacrifices. You know, when I think about it, those sacrifices, I used to work at a slaughterhouse some. You did? Yeah, and that was sort of nasty work. I'm imagining it would be. It, it was really nasty. And the priest had to do that constantly yeah. in order to do these sacrifices because the Old Testament, the law of Moses was so specific, they were supposed to take certain parts of the fat off of certain parts of these internal organs and do certain things with this part of it. And they, it wasn't like they could just kill the thing and throw it on the fire. Yeah. They had to butcher the 
carcass and do certain things with it. So this was a dirty job. I'm not imagining that that was a real popular worship. I'm not. I wouldn't have wanted to be there to watch that. Anthony, would no, you? No, thanks. <laughs> not at all. And I, I wouldn't have necessarily evoked a great feeling uh, emotionally from for me. I never had any grand emotions working at the slaughterhouse. You, you were, you were, okay. <laughs> I wasn't emotionally moved. Okay. All right. Uh, so it doesn't seem that God has ever instructed us to worship him in a way that we like. And it doesn't, I don't see in the New Testament, uh, Anthony, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't see that there's an instruction on the emotional response that we have as a result of our worship. We definitely have to do it in, with the right spirit or the right attitude, but I don't see a uh, instruction that you must have a worship that uh, moves you to tears, or right. you must have a worship that does evokes some other emotional response. Right. Uh, I don't see that in the New Testament. Yeah, I agree. Not, definitely not in conjunction with worship. I think the focus of worship in the New Testament is is that it be done, uh, you know, in spirit and in truth, as we said. And you know, Jesus speaks about vain worship, so we know that that there's worship that can be offered that is not acceptable it's empty um, because it's not done not done properly i mean obviously christians are supposed to feel emotions joy uh yes. the happiness uh, and those sorts of things and, and i think if we worship god the right way we will have an emotional res- uh, right. response as a result but i don't right. see that as being the primary objective i think it's a a, a secondary re- a response to it it's not the it's not the primary it's it's a benefit to us okay and we have that but it's not the purpose of it all right you know when you think about worship in matthew chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 when satan's come to tempt jesus yes. and he's told him showed him all these kingdoms of the earth and he said i'll give you all this stuff if you'll fall down and worship me yes and jesus says away with you satan for it is written you shall worship the lord your god and him only shall you serve and this last word serve i think is an important word there mm-hmm. because when we think of serving someone we're, we're meeting what their desires are. Uh, we don't have slavery in this country, and we don't have kings and things like that. But when we think of that kind of idea, when you, God is our king, Jesus is our Lord and master. When we serve him, we do what he wants, right. whether we like it or not. Yeah. If we serve the king, the king might give us a really nasty job. He might send us to work in the slaughterhouse. Right. We might not like working there, but it's still the job he's given us, and we've got to give it our best. So we're serving God. And that's what we're supposed to do, only to serve him, not to serve our own desires, but his desires. Yes. All right. Uh, Let us hear your thoughts. We look forward to hearing from you. The chat room is totally silent tonight, and that may be because you're not in it tonight, uh, Anthony. Uh, Maybe so. Uh, You're usually in there uh, chatting it up. But uh, God has instructed us to worship him, as you said, Bonnie, Matthew 4, verses 9 and 10, and also Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Therefore, God has has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. We are instructed to worship God. And that ought to be enough for us. God said to worship him and we should. But furthermore, his character demands it, Monty. In Psalm chapter 95, verses 5 and 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for he is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. We're dealing with uh, an an incredible creator that uh, demands worship. And he's instructed it, and his character uh, demands and deserves it. You know, when we think about it, the awesome, he's so supreme and so superior to us, just that fact alone would desert, would could tell us that we should worship him. Absolutely. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 and 11, we get a glimpse into heaven, uh, Anthony, uh, where we see uh, what's going on in heaven, and they are worshiping God and Jesus. Right, yeah, in Revelation 4, uh, 
verses 8 through 11. It says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And and it goes on from there. But, you know, clearly I think that's going to be what we're going to be spending our time doing in heaven if we get there is is to worship god verse 11 you are worthy O lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by you they will uh, your will they exist and were created uh that's right in heaven we're going to be worshiping god i don't see again a picture of worship here where uh god says to the angels you know what what, what would you, kind of worship would you like to give us you know could we jazz it up a little bit for you is this exciting enough does this keep your attention and when yeah. you think about it, angels are a mightier being than we are. Yeah. So we, the, what we can read in the Old and New Testaments of things that they did, they're far and away superior in, in capabilities and might than we are. And God didn't ask them what they wanted. All so right. why would we be so presumptuous as to think that in a way that he cares what we want? I, again, I think we see the primary objective here in worship is to please God, to uh, follow the instructions he's given us because of his character, because he deserves our worship and our adoration. And uh, go ahead. I think a problem that we have, especially in our country, is we, we are got the notion that we're all equal and we are, nobody's superior to us because we don't have kings and lords and things like that over here like they did in Europe. And that we're all just, my opinion is just as important as yours. But we've also got, because of that character or that nature of our society, the idea that our opinion is just as good as God's. They can't nobody tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, and um, Jeff, you had to, you guys were treading on that same brave wave. Uh, Jeff's behind the controls tonight. Jeff, you had a thought. Yes, I was just going to say the, mainly the exact same thing. Uh, you know, we have a say-so in this democracy, so we think, oh, I can decide if I want to use instrumental music, yeah. or I can decide if I want to uh, change the way we do the Lord's Supper, Yeah. or not put verses in the sermons, or just just do it based on my say-so, you know. And I think, you know, if you, if you we do have that attitude so many times, and when you really break that down, again, it's when you when you say, I want to, you know, let's add, uh, let's add a full rock band to the worship. I don't think we're thinking that God's going to like that better. Yeah. I mean, if we really break it down, it's got to be because I think that would be more entertaining. Right. Right. I think that would get more people in the door. Um, I mean, it, there's no way that you could really argue that I'm doing this because I know God's going to like it better because, because it's not in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So you can't really say I'm going to add, make all these innovations because, um, you know, I know that it's going to make God happy because. You don't have any basis for saying that. Absolutely. And I um, think, and as you mentioned, uh, uh, Anthony, it does elevate ourselves up above God because we're saying what we want. We're not too concerned about what God wants. Now, Monty, let's assume that uh, that uh, your wife is uh, fixing uh, a, a dish. You've got company coming over. She has asked you to go to the store and get a certain ingredient. She's been very explicit with what she wants. She go. even wrote it down. She wrote it down. She wrote, that's a good a good parallel there. She wrote it down. Now, you get to the store, and you think that you have a better idea about what she needs than what she's told you on the piece of paper she wrote it down on. You go to the store, and you buy what you think rather than what she wants. You get back home. What, how do you think that's going to go? I imagine I'm going to be taking another trip back to the store. Well, yeah. But, I mean, she told She's you. not going to be happy with no, me. And, no, and why would we think anything different of God? He told us what he wanted when we how to worship him. Why would we think 
that we know better, that we can tell God what he really ought to like. Oh, God, you said you like this. Or tell your wife, you know, you told me you wanted this, but look at this. You know, you told me you wanted flour, but look at this. They had they had the cornmeal on sale, and you got this cornmeal. It's high-quality stuff. Oh, Both well. of them are it, ground. And it was more expensive. <laughs> yeah, it was more expensive. I got you the better. No, she wanted flour. You should have got it. All right, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567 on the program tonight. Uh, not, Matt, Revelation chapter 19, verse 10 says, uh, worship God. We need to make sure we're doing that and we're not elevating ourselves above uh, what God has given us. You know, Jacob, yep. this always, you know, I always uh, am reminded of Romans 1, 25, kind of in the middle of a thought there, but it says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And that's, you know, whenever we have this kind of discussion, that's what my mind you know, goes to that verse because you know, so often I think we find that that's really what's going on. Oh, yes. Is that we're, we're doing things that make us feel better. Uh, or, again, that maybe they get pe- more people in the door. So we think it's got to be, if I feel good and we're getting more people here, it's got to be a good thing. Yeah. And there's no regard in many cases for what the Bible actually says. All right. So. Absolutely. Worshiping the creator better, more than the, uh, the creature more than the creator. Absolutely. Well, um, Matthew chapter 15 needs to come into the discussion as we talk about this tonight, about our worship. In Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their mouth. And honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I think that would be a valid uh, description of people today in, in many worship services around the country. No doubt they are trying to honor God with their mouth uh, and uh, and draw near uh, with him, honor him with their lips and draw near to him with their mouth. They're, they're talking about God, talking about Christ a lot, but they're worshiping God in vain because they're not following the instructions he's given them. You know, that's teaching for doctrine, the commandments of men. These things that they're doing, they can't find them in the Bible. The Bible is where we find doctrine. They can't find them in their New Testaments. So if it's outside of that, then it has to be the commandments of men. And that's clearly condemned here. All right. All right. Uh, We need to take a break. Get this week's bullet point. Get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A man, a brother in Christ, has slipped away and fallen seriously into sin. Though he was once growing and active in the Lord's service, now he is distant, unconcerned, and clearly pursuing a different agenda. His brethren see his condition. They are aware of the spiritual danger he is in. All signs point to the fact that he is heading down a path to eternal ruin. Out of love for his soul and with knowledge of their own duty in such matters, as is taught in Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, his brothers and sisters in Christ reach out to this erring one. They are crushed to think that one who once worked hand-in-hand with them in the Lord's service could now be so alienated from them and from God. They humbly try to encourage him, reminding him of things he already knows but has chosen to ignore. They plead with him to, quote, Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Acts 8, verse 22. And what is the response from this brother in desperate need of rescue? Too often the response is one of bitter animosity and resentment. Instead of looking inwardly and humbly admitting his sins, he lashes out at those who are trying to help him. He has harsh words of criticism and disdain for them. His effort is to deflect attention away from his own sins and place focus on what he perceives as the failings of others. What this man fails to realize is that he never had such good friends as these fellow Christians who are committed to help him and restore him to a right relationship with God. 
It would have been easier, much easier, to look the other way and ignore the situation altogether. Let him go, clear his name off the church roll, and proceed as though nothing significant had happened. But love will not allow this. He is a brother, a friend, and they cannot, will not, let him go without a fight for his soul. Truly, he never had such friends as these. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight talking about worship and considering contemporary worship, traditional worship, and what the Scriptures tell us about the way God wants us to worship Him. We're looking forward to hearing your thoughts at 877-381-4567. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we'll be traveling through. We encourage you to stop and worship with the Columbia Tennis, with the College of Church of Christ, uh, we meet at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about our meeting place, our times of worship, by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can also find over eight years of the virtual Bible study in archive format, where you can find various topics discussed that may be of interest to you. You can also find information on how to podcast recent sermons that have been presented at the College of Church of Christ at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. As we talk about worship tonight, uh, the fact that uh, that many in the world are confused, sadly, about uh, what the true objective of worship is, and that that worship must be centered on God and doing what He would have us to do. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14 says, "For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God." Uh, we must worship God, and uh, we must worship God in the way that He has said, and not in the way that we want and the way that we desire. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 23, beginning verses 5 and 6, the Pharisees were condemned because they were being very religious, but they were doing things that pleased and suited them and not what pleased God. In Matthew 23, verses 5 and 6, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues. These people were doing these things uh, so they got the honor Anthony, they got right. the praise, they got what they wanted, and they weren't concerned about what God wanted. Exactly right, and, and they're condemned for that, and certainly an attitude that we need to be careful of, that we don't, we're not making the same mistake. Now, there's also a money in John chapter 6, beginning of verse 26. There is an example of a, a large crowd. Uh, you, you, we, the, the, the people who would condone uh, contemporary worship would talk about how many people you can get with a contemporary worship service. There was a large crowd that was formed there with Jesus, but they weren't doing it because uh, they wanted to be pleasing to Jesus. They were doing it because of uh, something they wanted to get out of it. Yeah, in John 6, starting in verse 26, it says, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you, you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on it. So these people were following Jesus because they had heard he produced a lot of food at the last get-together where people where he was teaching. And uh, they thought, well, we'll come get some free food. Yeah. And basically that's what he's telling them here, that when you 
boil it down to the nutshell. You thought you were going to get something out of it. Yeah. You didn't come for my teaching. You didn't come to be enlightened spiritually, to learn what God would have you to do, to be right with him. You, you just came for food. For what you could get out yeah. of it, which it seems a lot of people are coming to contemporary worship with that same idea. What can I get out of it? Right, and I think, you know, what this all arises from, and I actually grew up in a in the denominational uh, setting, and uh, there, there's very little, at least in my situation, there was very little... What does the Bible say about this? What should we be doing? What does the Bible say? It was more about, you know, what, what what, how do I feel? You know, or does it get people teary-eyed? Does it make people come forward? Is it, you know, is it exciting? So I think what we see in this contemporary worship and the constant need to try to get it bigger and better or introduce more and more things is that people are filling this void with emotion yeah. and because they don't have a scriptural foundation to, to kind of keep them steady and to, and to build on. So instead, they have to continue to feel relevant and to feel uh, in a, you know, to feel right before God. They have to continually have these emotional experiences uh, in order to feel right because they're not looking at the word and they don't have, you know, a scriptural basis right. for what they're doing. And Jeff, you had an example as well. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, when it's talking about praying, which we could see that in any evidence of worship, but it was talking about being seen of men. Yep. And many times, I think, in worship, we do the same thing. We do Sometimes we can do things to be seen and to get praise of it. Uh, so we've also got to be careful about that. Um, verse 6 always is a good reminder. It says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who sees secret in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly all right absolutely uh so it's not about us it's not about what we want or any kind of uh thing we can get out of it it's about serving god now what we do need to emphasize before we go any further anthony that we do believe that our emotions need to be in our worship and we do believe uh monty that as a result of worshiping god as he is instructed and understanding who we're worshiping that there will be an emotional response but that is going to be the result of doing it the way God has said. We're not we're not in it. Uh, we're not doing things just to get the emotional response. No, we're doing things to please God, and we think the emotional responses will come secondary to that. You know, Solomon said to, that to fear God and keep His commandments. That this is the whole duty of man. So our our duty, our purpose, is to serve God. Yep. Now we should be able to derive a sense of satisfaction when we do that properly, as God would have us to. They, they should be a we should be very pleased to know that we're pleasing God. It should give us a good feeling to know that we're pleasing God. But we're not going to know we're pleasing him unless we've studied the scriptures to right. see how he wants to be pleased and then doing it that very way. All right. All right. Let's go to our email responders. Chris in Atlanta says the primary objective is to worship God, how he requires and when he requires. It is not to entertain the participant. I get irritated when I hear someone say they didn't get anything from the service. We must remember that our primary reason for going to worship is to give to God rather than receiving good feelings. When you worship God properly and with the right attitude, you will be uplifted. But Chris says that's not the primary reason. We shouldn't go into it with that objective of what am I going to get out of it. Instead, we're going in it, into it to give God what he's asked us to give him. I think that's an excellent right. comment. Yeah, and I think, you know, our emotional response needs to come from our en our engagement in in the worship, not from. I guess what I'm trying to say is our our emotional response and it should be something that comes from within us, not yes. from external 
forces that that cause a certain reaction, but rather, you know, if we feel like we're not emotionally engaged in the worship, then we need to we need to look at ourselves and, yes. and try harder on our own while we're participating in the scriptural worship. We need to be thinking about our heart and our emotions in that way instead of thinking about what we're going to have for lunch or okay. whatever. Else. All right, Ramona in uh, Texas says, we are to worship God how God wants us to worship him. We should uh, be an assembly of believers of the body of Christ to worship, honor, and praise God and our Redeemer. Worship should not be designed to please the unbeliever or believer, but to worship God as he wants to be worshipped. I think uh, Ramona boils it down there for us very succinctly. We should not be the sons of Aaron who offered strange fire to God, which God had not commanded. As a result of this was that uh, God devoured them instantly. God wasn't pleased with them worshiping them the way that they thought best. Instead, he wants us to worship the way that he has instructed us. All right, that gets us in. Monty, you had a thought. You know, in Colossians 3.17, it says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What this is saying here is not just tack Jesus' name on the end of something. Pick out what you want to do, what makes you feel good. And stick Jesus' name on the end of it. But that phrase, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we understand when we study it properly, means by the authority of. Whatever we do in word or deed, we might paraphrase to say, uh, do all of what Jesus has told you to do. Do what God has told you to do. Do all of that. It needs to be because God told us, not because it was something we picked out. Absolutely. That gets us into the next question we ask is how do we establish the standards that govern what we do in worship? Again, it's not going to be our emotions. It's not going to be our think-sos. It's got to be the Word of God. Colossians 3, 3, verse 17, as you mentioned. And uh, we mentioned John 4, verse 24 at the beginning of the program. We've got to worship God in spirit and in truth, and we get truth uh, from God's Word. God's Word is truth. And so we've got to worship according to what the instructions God has given us in the Bible. Ramona in Texas says, very simple, the Bible, that's how we establish our uh, standards. And uh, Chris says the same thing in Atlanta. We look at the Bible and see what is commanded and look for examples of how the early, early church worshipped. We must be orderly and worship in spirit and in truth. And that's a good point to make, Anthony. If God uh, in the New Testament was pleased with the way that people worshipped him there, he will be pleased with us worshipping in the same way today. If God, under the uh, instruction of the uh, apostles, Mani, approved of the way that the church at Colossae worshipped God, for example, if he was pleased with that and if we worship the same way today, we can know he'll be pleased with us worshipping him uh, because we're following the instructions, the patterns that he has established. You know, we see repeatedly in the New Testament that it's teaching a process of duplication. When I was in network marketing, they used to talk about that. If there's a system that works, then don't recreate the wheel. Just follow that system that works. Uh, Jesus sent the apostles out on the Great Commission and told them, go teach all nations what the things that he had commanded them. Paul told Timothy, see, you follow me because I'm following Jesus. Yeah. And so... If we follow what Paul taught and what the, what we understand to be uh, proper, approved examples in the New Testament, if we do what they did and it was pleasing, then it's going to be pleasing when we do it too. The New Testament teaches that process of du- duplication. So if we can duplicate what they did, then we'll be what they were, and that's Christians. But if we're doing something else, then we are something else. All right. My father uh, has chimed in in, uh, in Vermont tonight, uh, the wonders of the Internet. Uh, he's listening there, and uh, he says in Acts chapter 8, in the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, the, his emotions followed his obedience to God's command. They didn't, uh, they didn't drive the, the obedience. They followed the obedience. Uh, the objective was not to get some type of emotional response. The objective was not to go on my way rejoicing. The objective was God told me to do something, and that's what I'm going to do. 
Uh, so we appreciate uh, those comments. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he also sends in, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul knew that it wasn't about pleasing men, but it was about doing what God wanted him to do. Yeah, if he was going to continue to please men, he would have still been uh, a high-ranking Jewish official persecuting Christians and doing things like that. But that he knew that wasn't what was important. And really, that's not what he was trying to do when he was doing that. He thought he was serving God by persecuting the church. But then when he learned better, he changed. And so really, that's the whole purpose, is to learn exactly what God wants us to do if we're not following that pattern change and get it right. And we're not saying divorce yourself of any emotion, but we're saying that the objective is to do what God wants us to do and let the emotions follow Mm -hmm. as a result of being obedient to him. Guest 514 in the chat room says, aren't we supposed (coughs) to go into a service with an open heart and an open mind? Yes, we are. Guest 514 says, I don't understand when someone says they did not get anything out of the service. What exactly are they looking for? Monty, how, how could you say you didn't get anything out of the service? I must have slept through it. Well, it does get down to your heart, I think. Right, I, absolutely. It's sort of, you know, I think that's that shows the type of attitude that I was sort of talking about earlier where, the people are expecting they're coming with it's almost like they're coming with an with an empty cup and they're expecting it to get filled up with emotions and entertainment mm-hmm. and something to make them feel complete but but really as Monty said what we're not coming to worship to be served we're coming to worship to do the serving mm-hmm. so we call we, it a worship service right right yeah. so yeah. we shouldn't have the attitude of you know what's in it for me it should be the complete opposite of that. So I, I uh, you know, echo those frustrations of the commenter there. All right, let's take a break, and we'll go to the top of the hour. We've got to get further into our outline. What are some potential problems with contemporary worship? What do we, you, know, make, you know, changing things isn't necessarily bad. You know, we, we can change things around. We can make things, uh, we can even make things more modern. And I think churches have done that, and, and acceptably so uh, in recent times. We can talk about that. What are some problems with that that idea? What are some problems with with traditional worship? There can be some problems with traditional worship. And then finally, we're going to get to those bonus questions that you posed, Anthony, towards the end of the hour. So we've got to go fast. We'll take a break and get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. A new study shows that despite portrayals in pop culture, more than half of U.S. teens say they want to be virgins when they get married. Six in ten said they want their spouse to be their first sexual partner. Sixty-three percent of respondents said they wish they could regain their virginity if possible. That information is via the Christian Post. 
In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, beginning verse 9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about our worship and uh, some problems with contemporary worship. Monty, what are some problems you see uh, with contemporary worship? Well, as we've been talking about, this contemporary worship is designed to please and serve God. I mean, to serve man rather than God. And it's putting our desires first ahead of what God's are. So I think that's the, that's the, really the root of it is we're putting our, we're too focused on ourselves. We're too self-centered. Absolutely. I think that's the one. Back on. I think that's absolutely one of the problems is that we're focusing on the wrong thing. Right, and I think you know another problem problem is that if you take the attitude that you know, there, there is not a specific pattern that we need to be following in worship, it's it's what makes us feel good. If it's if the hot thing right now is you know a rap performance in the worship service that yes. makes us feel good, and then then you know five years from now it's. Um, I don't know what heavy metal or whatever, but I'm being silly here. But um, you you begin to say, well, where does it end? I mean, if there's no scriptural pattern, then the sky's the limit. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, that could lead to, to, to anything. Anything goes, and that's not what God has. We've got a problem with authority there, and that right. is interesting. As I looked uh, in pre- preparation for the discussion tonight, uh, I looked and saw some denominational people who are standing against contemporary worship. Uh, but the arguments are, well, the guitar and the drums aren't as uh, effective in worship as the piano or the organ is. Well, who's to say that? Yeah, it's just an opinion. See, once you open that door, and that this door, we get to the we get to the rock and roll band up on the stage for worship. We get to that because we've opened the door in other areas. We've allowed other uh, deviations from God's pattern to go in such a way that now you get uh, the fruit of that departure. And when you say, I don't like the guitar and the drums as well as I like the piano and the organ, you're getting down to the worship again being a personal preference right. rather than what you find scriptural authority for. Right. That's right. And so if I can say we're going to have the organ because I like it, I think it helps, then, Monty, you can say that we're going to bring in the three-ring circus because you like it and you think it helps. Or we can do like that church up in Franklin. We can have bull riding and a rodeo in the auditorium. You've got to and be fireworks. Kid- You've got to be kidding me! No, the one that has the fireworks the, you've mentioned before. Yeah, they had bull riding. They've had bull. They've had a, a uh, whatever the sanctioning body for bull riding and rodeos is. They had that in their auditorium somehow. Well, you've got it. Well, I, I, yeah. See, that would be great. Yeah. If you're just we can really what, teach a lot about Jesus sure from would, the back I'm of a bull. Sh- I'm sure you would get some kind of emotional response out of that. Especially when the bull stomped my face. That's in. right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're you're drilling oh, me yeah. up. You'd be excited. You'd yeah. feel exhilarated at right. the end of that service. Right. right. But if we just sing songs and we pray, then yeah, that's boring. Okay. Um, you know, another problem I think with contemporary worship is we're getting people in the door, we're, but we're getting them in there for the wrong reason. Yeah. So you know, people are attracted to that for carnal, fleshly reasons for the emotional response, but. They're not. It's like the people who came to Jesus for the food. He he point, he called them on the carpet and said, "Hey, I, look, I can see through this. You're only here yeah. because you wanted the food, yeah. and you know you need to desire you know the real teaching." And so I think that's a big danger. You know, I can think of an example in the new of an, actually in the Old Testament of contemporary worship. David wanted to build a temple because the Ark of the Covenant was still housed in the tabernacle in the tents, and he felt like I live in a nice palace. 
and I think God's stuff ought to be in a really nice house too. So he wanted to modernize things. Yeah. He wanted to improve on what God had told him to do. Yeah. And he even went and talked to a prophet about it. He talked to Nathan the prophet about it. Nathan says, it's a grand idea. Let's do it. But then God called Nathan on the carpet about it and said, go back and tell this to David. And what God asked David was, when did I ever ask for that? Yeah. Okay, when we think of all these things that we refer to in our in contemporary worship, just show me where God ever asked for that. Yeah. If you can show me where in the Bible where God asked for that, I'll do my best to see to it we've got it by Sunday there you go. in our next worship service. Yes, absolutely. But if you can't, I'm going to do my best to see to it we don't have okay. it. I want to know where God asked for that. All right, I agree. And that's a fair question. I agree with that, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris in Atlanta says, I guess it depends what someone considers contemporary worship. From my view of it, it is designed to elicit a positive emotional response from the participant. And what they use to get this emotional response is many times not authorized. You especially see this when you hear someone say, I really got something out of that service or I felt God's presence. It also introduces unauthorized methods of worship such as instruments, clapping, music, solos, and such. Even if it does not include these things, there's always a danger of easily crossing a line when you get too close to that line. And Ramona in Texas says many things can be done uh, that uh, many things can be done that God has not commanded, such as instrumental music, worship on Saturday. It, it steers away from of it steers away of the way God wants to be worshipped. So thank you for that uh, those comments, Ramona. Uh, now, not all <clears throat> things done in a way to cont- make worship contemporary or necessarily wrong uh otherwise we'd have to be singing the same songs they were singing 300 years ago songs changed over time i think we can sing different songs uh the way that we sing songs is different um than what we understand uh, people in times past may have done um in recent years people have begun to begun to use computer projections to uh, to project the lyrics of the songs so that we can sing without the, a paper hymnal that's uh, that's a move in a contemporary direction. Nothing wrong with that. It doesn't change the worship. Uh, it, those are expedients uh, that uh, that are acceptable. I, I agree with that. I think we need to be sure that we're that we're open to you know suggestions of of expedients, things yeah. like that. You know, and we just need to say, well, let's not let's not balk at something simply because it's it's new or it's not the way we've always done it. We need to be sure that we're doing what we're doing. Because it's what the Bible instructs, and if it's something that's a that is an improvement in you know such as a PowerPoint or something like that for even say for a sermon, yeah. you're still teaching. Yeah, you haven't added anything. It's just an aid to that to carrying that out. Okay, so, all right, that's a good point. All right, um, and then we ask earlier as well, what are some pro- potential problems with traditional worship? Monty, see any potential problems with traditional worship? Well, I. Uh, I've heard people and talk about before and uh, use at, at a particular denomination, and they talk about with our traditional worship. Yeah. Well, a lot of the aspects of their traditional worship I don't see in the New Testament. Yeah. So just because that's the way we've traditionally done it doesn't necessarily make it right. Yeah. So we need to examine our traditional worship to make sure that we have that authority in the New Testament, that we're doing it actually in the name of Jesus by his authority rather than just because that's the way we've always done it. Because okay. just because that's always way, we, I mean, these things that in in our in our life that we could have been doing, the Apostle Paul had spent a long time persecuting the church. The that's the way he had always done it. Right. He had a tradition of that. Yeah. 
but it was wrong, and he had to change. So okay. we don't need to just follow tradition because that's the way we've always done it. Now, I like what Chris says. He says some people lose perception of what is commanded versus what is done as a matter of expediency. For example, you hear people getting upset if you sing two songs and then pray as opposed to pray, sing three songs, and take the Lord's Supper. I also, I've also heard of folks getting very upset that there was a white tablecloth placed over the table that held the communion trays or not all verses of the song being sung. Sadly, churches split over things less than this. And Chris, it makes a good point, Anthony. We don't need to be so wrapped up in our tradition that it becomes now law. Right, absolutely right. And, you know, I think along with that, we can, you know, we can we can get ourselves in a rut where we aren't emotionally engaged or not even emotionally, but our heart is not in the worship that we're doing because it's just become rote to us. It's just, you know, we're just... We're doing it because it's the way we always have done it. Yeah. So now that's not to say we need to jazz things up by bringing in a rock band, but we need to still do the things that have been commanded and do them in the way they've been commanded. But, um, but, but we can, you know, we can on an individual basis sometimes find ourselves just going through the motions. But that's an individual issue that that you know each person has to, to work on all right that that uh, my father chimes in the same way anthony uh, he says traditional worship has the danger of things being done by rote without thinking about what we're doing and so we've got to make sure and, you're careful yeah and i think uh you know here at college view i i don't recall how long we've been doing it but on on you know fifth sundays uh, in the evenings mm-hmm. we have you know, we we do we format our worship a little bit differently. Now we still do the same stuff. We're not doing anything new or, or that's not in the in the Bible, but we change, you know, the format of it. We focus a little more on prayer and do some things like that. And we're still doing the same stuff. And we're really not even adding any different expediences to try to jazz it up or anything. We're simply changing the order of things. Mm-hmm. And that alone, you know allows us to maybe break out of a, a little bit of a habitual approach to things. And I, I personally really enjoy that. All right. Good. Um, well, all right. Good. Uh, and, uh, well, Ramona says, I like traditional worship. It reminds me of my childhood. But young people today do not think the same and leave the church. They must be brought back in with the truth of the Bible. So we appreciate Ramona for chiming in tonight. Now, we asked some bonus questions, uh, Anthony, and those were at your uh, queuing. Uh, we've, got, we've got four minutes left in the program tonight. Three questions. I think we can get to them, uh, quickly get their thoughts, and hopefully in the chat room you can sign in. Number one, is there tradition of coming to the front to confess sins scriptural? Yeah, and we, is it required? Find no place in the New Testament where anybody ever purposefully walked before the church to confess sins. Okay. So what is your point? Well, my point, he asked, he asked, is it scriptural? I don't read it in the Bible. I know that the Bible te- teaches us to confess our faults one to another because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so it would be a good thing. There's nothing wrong, I don't believe, with coming before the congregation. If we had typically in our invitation, we have a, a time set aside. If someone feels the need to do that, they can. And so it's a good thing to do it. But the, it's not described as such. In the New Testament. It's not a requirement. It's not a requirement. It's it would a, be an expedient. It would be an expedient. It I, would be a way for us to confess our faults one to another. Well, that's uh, that's along the lines of our respondents tonight. Ramona and James, besides James 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
she thinks it is is scriptural. If it if it's if it's an, it's, it's an expedient, an authorized or if it's an expedient money, it would be scriptural by default, is uh, uh, by by that authority. Uh, and then Chris in Atlanta says, if you've sinned publicly and need to confess to your brethren, then it is a matter of expediency. I don't think see it as required though. Uh, my father chimes in, coming forward is one way to accomplish confession, but not the only way or the required way. So I think we're in unison there. Yeah, I think that's, I I would agree with those statements. The next one is a little more difficult. Do all five acts of worship have to be done in order for a worship service to be scriptural? Yeah, yeah. let me tell you, you know, when I, as I mentioned earlier, and we don't have a lot of time, but I grew up in the denominational world. And when I first became a Christian, for some reason I got really wrapped up. And somehow in my mind, I got the idea that, that there was one service that was the worship service where we did all five acts and you know Wednesday night was not worship because we didn't do all five and so you know I got it in my head that you know when I started hearing people refer to Wednesday night as worship I was like whoa wait a minute no no this is not worship because we're not doing do all. all of them so that's kind of where I was getting at with this it, you know and and also too we were talking about only some of these things are mentioned in the context of the first day of the week uh, like singing, you know, uh, isn't mentioned in the specific context of the first day of the week gathering. Um, so the idea is, well, you know, do we have to do all five in the same service? Is it still worship? And uh, I think it comes down to a little bit of semantics. Monty? Well, like Anthony was just mentioning, the giving is is authorized. We're commanded to do that on the first day of the week. Yeah. Uh, the partaking of the Lord's Supper, we have an Acts 20 and verse 7 says they did that on the first day of the week, and that's the only place in the New Testament that tells us when that is done. Yep. And so those two acts have a specific time that has that has to be accomplished. But all those other acts, we can see evidence and examples of where they were done at times that weren't necessarily on the first day of the week, that probably were not on the first day of the week. That may not have included all of the acts. Well, we if we're having a, a worship service on Monday, we can't take the Lord's Supper, and we can't take up a contribution because yeah. we don't have authority to do them at that time. Yeah. But we're still there for the purpose of worshiping God. And, uh, well, I, uh, Eric and I were discussing this over email a little bit today. Uh, he mentioned Paul and Silas uh, in prison. You know, they were singing. Right. I, I, I wouldn't think that there was a sermon. <laughs> it would have been sort of hard for them to want them to stand up in the stocks probably before everyone else. Well, we know that while they were in prison, the saints had gathered and were praying about okay. that very situation. Okay, so I think we would be, uh, <laughs> we find some authority there to engage to in To do maybe, these other things yes, but not at, all, not, at other times. Yeah. But we can only do two of those acts on the first day. And of the we week. have been instructed to do those they on the first day. They have to be done. Right. Okay, right. all right. Um, and uh, all right. Yeah, I was just saying, I think that helps us, you know, kind of maybe, again, underlying that question is, let's be thoughtful about what we're doing. Let's not, you know, get ourselves into a a little mental trap saying, okay, we're going to check off these five things, and okay, now I've worshipped God because I've done these five things. Uh, You know, that's good. We need to do those things, but let's let's keep our our minds engaged in why we're doing what we're doing and are we worshiping God and that sort of thing. I think it just helps us to be tuned in to what we're doing. All right, and then the last one, uh, does Matthew 18, verse 20, which says, for that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them, does that justify two or three worshiping by themselves instead of assembling with a congregation? Yeah, I think... Uh, Monty or Anthony? Yeah, no, I, I like uh, Rhonda's uh, response, the verse taken out of context. The verses before should be taken with it, which concerns a Christian wronged by another. 
you should not complain of it uh, to others, but go to the offender. So I think basically, and I, I think that's true, this, this verse gets taken out of context to justify that sort of thing. All right, and Chris in, uh, in Atlanta says, that, again, it's out of context. Monty, your thoughts on that? Well, when we think about getting together for worship, Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So it's actually, we're told here that we're not to forsake the assembly. Now, I may find myself, maybe I'm on a vacation trip somewhere. I know you've been to Wyoming at times on vacations in the past, and so have I. It's very rare to found, find a sound congregation in the state of Wyoming, and that's a big state. Okay. Uh, so you may find yourself, for whatever reason, in a place where there is no congregation, but you and your family are there, and there's a two or three or four of you, however many, are Christians. You can, I believe that's what this is describing here. We can get together as a small group in worship. But if there's a larger group together and we forsake that group, that, fa- that sound faithful group, in order just because we just want to do our own little private thing, then I believe we could say that we're forsaking the assembly. Because you know as, as you've been to places visiting before, especially smaller congregations, how encouraged they are by your presence. Right. And that's what this verse is talking about, exhorting one another. We can go and encourage and exhort other people by our presence when we're on a trip like that. But it may be that for whatever reason we found ourselves where there's no congregation available to us, remotely possible for us to get to for a worship, well, then I still I think we can fulfill the command to worship by our small group then. Well, an anonymous listener in Indiana, we're running over time. We need to hurry and wrap up. Can one worship without coming together with an assembly? I.e., if Paul were on a ship in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea on the first day of the week, could he worship God, whether by himself or with two or more others? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think uh, my answer, uh, Anthony, is if I can, if there is any way that I can be uh, at an assembly, I'm going to be there. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to violate uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. I want to make sure that I am uh, not forsaking the assembly. Uh, but it is true that you can worship God anywhere. Paul and Silas were doing prison. that in prison. <laughs> right. uh, and so, uh, so we've got Jesus to told the Samaritan woman that. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that I think that those are good points. And especially like Monty's point, I think you know we really people when we're in a, a different place, we're visiting somewhere, the congregation there just gets such a, a big boost to have visitors, and that to me is is one of the primary drivers of really wanting to try to find a congregation to Absolutely. worship with. All right, sure. and I think I think Matthew 18 is somewhat used as a cop out. Yeah, uh, I would yeah, not right, use that right. verse at all to justify. Mine was more of a question of right. if you right. didn't have any other options, right, 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 is right. it okay? But there's mm-hmm. some, well, we're going to a ball game today, right. so we're going to do the two of us. We'll gather together here, and we'll just uh, pers- we'll forget they about it. They would these. be forsaken, right. Yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Monty, final thoughts? Well, I think we just need to make sure our worship is, as it said, uh, that we're doing all things by the authority of Jesus. If we, if we can find it in the New Testament, we need to do it, and if we can't, we need to leave it alone, whether it's contemporary, traditional, or whatever. It needs to be scriptural worship yes. first and foremost. Absolutely. That's the important thing, and that's what that's the, the conclusion we want to make tonight is that we worship God the way he's prescribed, with the right attitude, with the right truth, and if we do that, our worship will be pleasing to him. Exactly. Yeah, we just need to keep our focus on doing what God's commanded us to do. Thank you all for your time tonight. Thank you for coming. And thank you. And uh, Jeff's been behind the controls. Jeff, thank you for being here as well. And uh, we hope you benefited from your study and discussion of God's Word with us tonight. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.